Garfiri Japan. Faders, welcome to yet another action-packed episode of Got Faded Japan. I am your host, Johnny. And as you fine folks know, Got Faded Japan is about two dudes, booze, Japan, and the news. And uh, we have all of the above in this episode. And um, although we do have all of the above, you know, like most podcasts, we have technical difficulties these days using Zoom, this, that, or whatever. And uh, yeah, in this episode, we had two guests from Israel on the show. We had Vidi and Tomer from one of our favorite bands, The Subterranean Masquerade. And unfortunately, for some reason or another, the sound recorded on my end, so I thought. But when I was reviewing the podcast before we uploaded it, um, yeah, some parts were just not recorded. We have like a lot of like dead air and I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm sad. I'm heartbroken. And it was an amazing interview. It was absolutely spectacular. And we did get, I would say about 85% of it. I, I think we got most of the um, news at the very end of the show. But, um, so what I'm doing in this episode, just so you guys have it, I'm going to basically when there's dead air, I'm just going to cut it out. So it might the conversation might jump around from person to person to person. So if it kind of sounds odd, it's because, well, I guess the podcast gods were kind of pissed off at us. Maybe we didn't drink enough. Maybe we drank too much. I have no idea. But for one reason or another, things didn't jive well and we had some bad juju in the studio internets. So don't worry. It's all good. It's a great episode. And, um, I got to say, um, go down to the show notes and check out Subterranean Masquerade. Uh, these guys are absolutely fantastic. They're super duper cool. Um, they're great performers. They have amazing music. And these guys are just cool guys. You know, listening to this interview, you're going to be like, oh, my God. Vidi and Tomer are pretty sweet. And there's like five other people in the band. I can't wait to have those other five people on this show. Oh, man, it's going to be incredible. But um, yeah, faders, we apologize we're not sorry, really. <laughs> it's a free podcast. <laughs> but um, yeah, sorry, not sorry for the uh, bad sound quality or whatever. But um, yes, uh, please enjoy the show. Enjoy this interview and definitely check out Subterranean Masquerade. These guys are fucking dope as shit. Check them out and enjoy the show. Man, it's fucking incredible. I want to say thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you, brother. It's really, really cool that you enjoy it. What we want to do with this music, we, we play prog, but what we want to do is, is rave. That's the thing about this band. That's it's basically, we want to have a huge party and not just, you know, people just playing their parts. So we really enjoy it. When, when other people enjoy it as you did, that's what it's all about. If a party guy likes the music, 
it means we did our job. So thank you very much, man. Awesome. Right. Dude. Okay, like let's, let's have a cheers because I'll drink to that, man. Okay. Yeah. Let's have a cheers. Before we get started, yes, let's have a cheers. Hi, Kampai. Hey, Kampai. Shinumade. 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 What does I say? You say Lahaim? Lahaim. Lahaim, yes. To life. Life. That's interesting because, like, that's my cheers in Japanese. It's not everybody's cheers. It means Shinumade means until we die. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. So you, we can combine you it say, together. Yeah. You perfect. guys say Lahaim. You say, you know, you say Lahaim. I say Shinomade. Fucking, it completes each other. It's like peanut butter and jelly. Two, two sides of the same coin. Boom, right there. Lahaim, yum, yum, yum. Nice. I like that, Tom. I like that a lot. And I really like your guys' band. And you guys, I'll, before we move forward with anything else, I just got to say that your latest CD everybody's looking forward to it because your latest CD is going to be incredible. I heard your one song that you got released on uh, YouTube and uh, yeah, everybody right now is at the edge of their seats, wanting to hear your song, wanting to hear the CD. And when is it coming out? Tomer, May. tell them. End of May. End of May. I don't remember the date. It's the 14th. 14th of May. 14th of May. Exactly. 14th of May. Right around the corner. Hmm. Fantastic. Mm. It's called Mountain Fever. Uh, we're going to have, in about two weeks' time, a little less, another single out. There's going to be then another one, then a documentary, and then the album will come out. Ooh. No, no, the documentary coming out after the album. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> afterwards. But there is a documentary with it. It's going to be really cool from the tour, uh, everything that happened in Europe. Uh, behind the stage, behind the scenes, okay. we're looking forward to it. We really, can, we're really hopeful about this one. Can Can I ask, like, how long you've been uh, shooting the documentary? It's been one month on the road. We've been twenty five days, uh, twenty six, including the day we started the traveling to Europe, mm -hmm. and we just took with us a dude. His name is Yalon Shkori. He used to be the drummer of the band, and then he uh, retired and became uh, a cinematographer. So he just joined the band into the bus, into the Nightliner, and he just kept filming and filming and filming and filming every small detail, everything that's going on behind the scenes. He was there. So it was one month of shooting. Jeez. Would you would you say he made a good career move? So he, he quit as a drummer, but he stayed, still stayed on as your videographer. Would you say that's a good career move for him? Definitely. Financially, for sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. That's awesome. But you guys have been around since like 1997. Is this your first documentary? Oh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about the history of your band since you've been around since like like over 23 years yeah i formed this uh, project uh, quite a long time ago and actually around 1999 so we are definitely over uh 25 years uh, i think and uh it's been uh, i don't know i released the first album around the 2005 and then it was such a hectic process of making the album. I decided to quit music. I went to India 
to spend some time on in a temple doing uh, vipassana and yoga and uh, self um, self meditating and then until 2013 i had a break from it all until they started making music again and we formed subterranean masquerade as full band uh, we had some members coming around from uh, norway and america and then about three years ago uh, we established ourselves as uh, israeli only members okay well, would you would you say your times in india and you know spent meditating and doing yoga would you say that like how do you say brought the music to you you, you know what i'm saying you're just in the oh um, it's like oh man no if i were that would make a really good beat or baseline or something Actually, actually, it does. I, I think it's because of all the hashish I used to smoke uh, over there when, when doing the meditating. But the music That'll do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it will definitely do it. I had to take a break. I mean, living in the States, making music was too difficult for me. I had to take a few, a few months in India, travel around and meet some people. And I met my wife. And uh, I had, I mean, after that, when I was, my spirit was more relaxed. I could go back and make music again. I don't know why. Just the way it happened. Fair enough. That's awesome. Interesting. interesting. <clears throat> People consider you guys avant-garde progressive metal. Do you agree? No. No. Okay. Fuck no. <laughs> Fuck no. We, are, okay. we are not avant-garde at all. We are happy and poppy and mainstream and trying to go as much as to a large audience as possible. Avant-garde is such a niche audience and no, we're definitely not there. I think. I think. I think what happened was, you know, I joined the band only three years ago. I, as a teenager, Thomer had already albums out that I've been listening to, and I think the avant-garde comes from just the fact that Thomer was kind of ahead of his time. Every time he made something, it was always weird, you know, to to listen to the first album and then suddenly get the uh, 20 minutes uh, with saxophones in the middle of a metal track 20 years ago was not something people were thinking about. So I think what happened, I think that, that the avant-garde came from the fact that Tomer is, is, is keeping on some sort of a continuous movement forward in the way he thinks about the music and the orchestration of the music. So there are a lot of surprises in every album. I think this is why people call it avant-garde, but I don't think it's avant-garde in the, in the sense of us, uh, you know, uh, drumming on a piece of meat. You know, I think it's more about uh, being a spearhead of what else can be done in the genre. Well, I agree with that 100% because your music regarding a progressive metal is very different. You guys have violin. It's, it's a violin, right? Yeah. Also a violin, yeah. Violin also. and other like interesting instruments. Trumpets as well, man. I was like, huh, I wasn't expecting that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of like these different instruments that are in your in your songs that are very different from other progressive metal bands. Like, I mean, the song like As You Are, that song, by the way, it's one of my favorites. That song there, Ooh. like you listen to like, I mean, the song before it on the CD, you're like, oh, wow, metal. You know, you've got the voice. And then all of a sudden you got this song here, As You Are. And you're just like, wow, that's from Right Field. But I like it, you know? <laughs> that's, the, that's the jumping song. That's the jumping song, As You that's Are. That's the jumping song. Please tell me, what is the history or what is behind As You Are? 
Um, I, I'm, I don't remember, to be honest with you. I wrote it in India. <laughs> <laughs> Which goes back to the previous hashish conversation. Okay, well, fair enough. I, 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 I go back there every, every two or three years to write music. So I write most of my stuff over there. And uh, I don't really remember what it's about. It's just about, fuck, I just want to be who I am. And I want people to accept me the way I am. And I'm sick and tired to try to be somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I'm sick mm -hmm. and tired to try to go into a norm or a, you know, whatever people want me to do. And I'm also sick and tired to be avant-garde. I don't want to be avant-garde. I want to be just who I am, which is just Tomer and the music he does with the band. So as you are, as you are it's about this song. It's about how a, how a person can change himself and go and, and, and make pieces of himself by looking at what other people does and decided not to do it. I don't want to be that man. I want to be who I am. Although very easily I can become one of them all. So this is, this is pretty much as it is. And the song title obviously is a reference of one of my favorite bands. Nirvana. Yeah, I caught that a little bit. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Now that now that we're kind of on this tip, I gotta ask you another similar question. Tell me about Negan. I love Negan too. <laughs> Tom, it's not Walking Dead Negan. It's the song Negan. Oh, damn it. Negan, Negan, Negan is in Hebrew. Mm -hmm. He's meant uh, in Hebrew Yiddish. You know what Yiddish is about? It's just like the language of the Jewish Orthodox that's living in Brooklyn and in, in Germany. Of course, it's yeah. like uh, kind of like that, like like German, but a little more twisted. So Negan is in Yiddish, and it's meant uh, it's like um, how do you say it, Vidi? How do you say what Negan is? Nigun. It's like Nigun. Yeah, it's um, the idea is uh, it it means uh, a melody, basically. Yeah, it's a melody. Yeah, but usually when it's used. In, in that way, like saying Nigan or Nigun, they usually, uh, it has a lot to do with tradition. It's traditional, it's a traditional melody and it can also be a spiritual melody. How do you That's take it? Spiritual? I take it both. Both, yeah. I think, I think it's about a, a lot in, in, um, in Jewish mysticism and uh, Kabbalah and stuff like that is about um, elevation. And there are a lot of streams in the Jewish tradition that as, as much as other Eastern cultures that they say that um, the music elevates you. So uh, praying with a song is uh, supposed to take your spirit higher and higher and higher. It's fucking beautiful, man. Who, so, that's 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 pretty good. I, I like that. That's interesting. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I love that. That's that's a beautiful explanation. Uh, Tomer, do you write the lyrics for all the songs and the music? I wrote the music and the lyrics for everything aside of our new album, which the new album, all the lyrics was written by Vidi. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Collab. Yeah. Someone trusted me. Um, I'm really looking forward to this new album, and um, I yeah. Even before we talk about the music, I got to say that the album cover art 
Actually, all your album cover arts are really fantastic, but this one here is really cool. I really dig it. It's really eye-catching. There's a lot to see. The color contrast is just beautiful. I love albums. I love album art and stuff, and this one here just looks really nice. Really sharp, guys. Thank you. It was made by uh, Thank you. It's a from Poland. No, from Poland, from, from Romania. A guy named Kostin. Romania. Romania, yeah. He does artwork now for basically all major uh, rock and metal artists oh that's and, cool uh, yeah the, the reference was uh trails of fire <laughs> i recall asking <laughs> something that looks spiritual with a third eye but then a conflict in the skies with trails of fire and the messiah himself coming down <laughs> to bring up you know to cure everybody's uh, worries <laughs> so he came out with this thing and it was perfect and we loved it from the first I mean, right away. Right, I, I didn't get that from it. They're going to make a lot of money off this. I can definitely say oh, it. Oh, yeah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, in, in some music, you can judge a book by its cover. Like Iron Maiden, if they didn't have those covers with Eddie, you know, you guys know Iron Maiden, of course. You know, Eddie, yeah. the, the main character and stuff, they didn't have him on the cover of the Iron Maiden records. They probably wouldn't have sold half as many records as they did. But so many yeah. kids, just like myself, walked into the record store, saw that and was like, oh my God, I must have that. I don't care what it is. It's mine. I'm putting yeah. that in my pocket and I'm walking out. <laughs> Yep. Same here. Same here. It could be very disappointing if it was suddenly, you know, a dream pop free jazz album. <laughs> it could go the other way. How did you guys get into metal, by the way? Wow. Wow. That's a hard question. For oh, so I know. Long ago. Oh, dude, yeah, well, we got a lot of time. So, I mean, Tomer, why don't you go first, since you originated the band, how did you get into metal? Like your first experience with metal, like through a family member or you just found something at a record store or something? I, I, think, I think it was the live, um, the live concert for uh, Freddie Mercury when he died. Do you remember this concert when Guns N' Roses came on stage and they did uh, Knocking on Heaven's Door? Uh, back? Okay. Yeah, it was a long time ago, but I remember, I remember it was on primetime TV and I was looking at it and I was seeing Axel Rose with his great, nice red hair and slash with the guitar and the cigarette. And I was like, dude, I want to be that man. <laughs> I started listening to, this, to the music a lot. And I think a year later, it was the Grammy, MTV Grammy Award when I saw Nirvana just uh, screwing around on stage and breaking guitars and amplifiers. And, and I was hooked by the energy of it and how much aggression can come out from making music, which is something legal <laughs> that everybody can do. And, and for me, it was the first steps into heavy rock and metal. And from there, it turned out into more extreme sides. And I went on and off with how extreme the music I listened to. But basically, I think Guns N' Roses was the first band I ever played that uh, was heavy enough to make my parents go to Turn the music down! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right, Biddy, how about you, man? Well, I, 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 started, I started from hip-hop when I was around nine years old. I couldn't stop listening to hip-hop. And then um, at some point, a friend of mine brought me uh, a Hebrew rap band called Shabak Samech. And 
they were very loud. And what they did basically, they took uh, the the production of uh, Beastie Boys sabotage. You know this this kind of a thing. Yeah. With lots of distortions, lots of distortions, and then it really. I was like, what the fuck is this? This is amazing. And, and then a year later, there was just, you know, on TV, on MTV, there was Beavis and Butthead. Mm. And then... Big transition. And then, yeah. And then when I saw, I think it was in Beavis and Butthead, they had, they put, there was a band from Florida called Death. And they had a video clip uh, called The Philosopher in a oh, Beavis yeah. and Butthead. The Beavis and Butthead show. And then I heard for the first time death metal. And that was it for me <laughs> when I was about 12 years old. This yeah. is when it started. Then I wanted a guitar. My parents got me a guitar. Um, I was horrible. But besides being horrible, I was even worse in math. So my parents, they decided... To take away the guitar uh, so if you're not good at math you cannot play right you need to learn more mm. it just made me scream because i wasn't the guy i was the guy without without the guitar the rest of my my friend had guitars so if i wanted to be in the band the only thing i could do was scream and i started screaming and that's how i got into this and i think my parents regret it until today we should we should we should have kept the guitar let me ask are you good at math at all right now no not at all <laughs> neither am i <laughs> good at screaming exactly oh my gosh yeah that's awesome that is so cool that's so cool oh man so that's how you guys got involved with metal now my next question is in your band your band is hyper dynamic there's a lot going on in every single song and i think that's because you have seven members in the band so can you kind of like in an elevator pitch tell us about every member of this every member in your band go ahead Vidi. i'm doing it okay so <laughs> um i start i start from the guitar players basically we are seven we are seven people uh we are seven members, three of them are guitar players. Uh, live, we're playing only with two. We have two guys that are switching around every time. One of them is Olshelev. He is a biologist living in Germany and uh, he cannot always join the shows. This guy is, he has a very, very, very specific taste in music. Very weird. Um, he loves Japanese noise. This is something that me and him we we talk a lot about Japanese Ooh, noise. We love this boredom. shit. Exactly, exactly. You know, if you listen to Mike Patton's work and then you go and listen to the boredoms, you see that they did everything. Yeah, they did everything before, oh. and amazing, amazing. So, we got a whole episode on the boredoms of Got Fit of Japan. I'll send that to you. I would love that, man. I'm a big fan. I'm a big. Fan of the boredoms oh yeah me too i, 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 I love them genius creative genius <laughs> yes crazy so so all is in germany he's a biologist he loves bands like the boredoms and stuff like that so he comes with the weird things always then we have tomel the founder of member of the band he likes to jump a lot i love to jump with him 
as well. He writes all the riffs that you hear. He directs the music. He's the producer. And we are all going behind him. We are his soldiers. He's really, really good. Then we have Shai Yelin. Shai Yelin is our keyboard player. He loves LSD. That's something that he really, really likes. So when it comes to work and psychedelics, this is Shai. He comes, he has also uh, a project of his own. It's called Electric Monk. If you want to hear a lot of uh, analog modules and synthesizers and very, very long tracks that will take you away somewhere. I swear to you, I think this man, he sees the world in colors that we cannot see. This is something else. He's very special. He's very smart. He's also doing high tech. He's, I adore, I adore the music and the colors that he brings to Subterranean. Then we have Golan on bass. He can play anything on bass. He's a very silent, shy man, but although he's coy, he is the biggest heart you'll ever meet. Then we have Bambino. He's our drummer. He's only 22 years old. He's playing technical death metal. He joined the band. He started touring with us. We called him Bambino. And the day after we called him Bambino, he got a Bambino tattoo over here because everybody in this band are crazy. And then last but not least, we have Omar Fishbein. He's our third guitar player. He comes in when all cannot come and he comes from the world of Israeli pop. So he brings a lot of sweet leaks and a lot of interesting kind of uh, radio friendly colors into the music. And that's it. And you have me, I'm screaming a lot in different <laughs> ways. Oh man! Well, so, so, sounds yeah. like kind of a very eclectic. It was a long day. elevator. It was a long elevator. No, no, no! It's no, a great elevator, man. Stuck. Oh my god! I, I think <laughs> I mean, if Motley Crew didn't have the name Motley Crew, I think you guys would be a Motley Crew. <laughs> oh, hey, no. that, that could be great. I, I, I would love to have all those shows that you spin inside and all the pyrotechnic for sure. Oh my God. No, I mean, just the name Motley Crue. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, seven members. I mean, you're all right. When you guys, your music is so dynamic and there's just so many different levels to every single song. I'm sure that you guys have some epic fights, epic battles. <laughs> and I mean, by disagreement, disagreement, no, no knives, swords, guns, pistols, you know, <laughs> disagreements you know i mean when you get seven dudes like seven insane dudes in a room talking about music you know there's going to be some problems here and there and stuff can you elaborate on any of those issues well we we've been actually doing our um couples therapy group couple therapy for oh for just while. like metallica huh <laughs> wow uh, yeah but even without the money are only four and we are seven so we've been we've been working on that uh, couple therapy for a while and we used to have some really epic battles about everything and it's not even about music but it's more about uh, uh, how we see the world and uh, whatever uh, we want to go in the future and basically about those kind of stuff and about how to treat one another and we all get uh, very sensitive and um but we're working on it and it's get better. I think, Vidi, do you agree? Is I think the better? more we go, I think the further we go, the better we get. Yeah, exactly. With each other. 
I think it's like that. But in the documentary, in the documentary that will come out after the album, you can see in the nightliner some 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 conflicts around yeah. the around the making of like on the days off we we use the bus to record stuff so uh you can see some delicate conflicts and get the taste of being in a band and sleeping in the same room for one month which is also a bus yeah I, I, I so want to watch this documentary. I so want to watch this documentary. I am so... I'll get it to you, man. How, how do we get the documentary? I mean... Uh, I, I'll take care of you. I'll I take care of you. Okay, okay. But, dude, there's a lot of people listening to this podcast. <laughs> okay. How do you so, do the documentary? <laughs> here's, here's how. We have our Facebook, Subterranean Masquerade. Uh-huh. And uh, after the 14th of May, when our album, it's called Mountain Fever, it will come out probably a little bit after it's going to be out the documentary. So um, I guess that if people follow our Facebook or our YouTube channel, you can subscribe. This is where it will go up. Mm. And uh, we promise to give everyone uh, a heads up once Wait, it's coming. It's going to be free. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's going to be free. It's going to be course. free. Oh my God. That's fucking awesome. Oh shit, dude. I'm so stoked. Okay. How, no, all right. I gotta ask you, you guys have been around since 1997 and you guys have been producing, you guys got like five albums that are out right now. Right. And how come you decided to do a documentary now? Why not like maybe 10 years ago? I mean, you guys got 24 years or is, does the documentary only cover a to- your tour or does it cover like a lot of like what's been happening in the last 24 years? It covers the tour, this specific uh, documentary covering the tour. We are working at the moment on another one, which is um, talking about the making of the new album. Uh-huh. And there we're going to go into the deep history of the band and everything but a deep it, history oh shit 24 yeah, years for everything is a long time the beatles were only yeah. around for like 15 years right i think they were around for 15 or 10 something like that that's, that's insane how pro- prolific they were oh yeah oh yeah definitely definitely so i mean for you guys i mean you guys should probably have like maybe four documentaries on by now to be honest <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're a little late <laughs> but- i think i think one of the one of the reasons is that until three years ago, yeah, the band was was all over the place. Uh, the former the former singers were from the U.S. and from uh, Norway, and mm-hmm. to get together was harder. Come and correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, it was um, very hard. Yeah, so once we got a full Israeli lineup, it's much easier to move things around and and go walk towards new projects. So I think that. In this coming year, a lot of things that we were not able to show um, are going to emerge. That's awesome. Hey, we're all looking forward to that. that that's going to be amazing. And I got to ask, why, why did you have band members from all over the world? Why not just keep it local and easy? Well... It was actually my uh, my fault. <laughs> I like, yeah. I, I used to live in the states for a while, and uh, while living in the states, I used to work for a record company called the End Records. 
mm. uh, which is a heavy metal label that uh, was established in California. Then we moved to Salt Lake City, Utah, and then later they moved to Brooklyn. I was going to India. But basically in the record, in the record label, I was doing some A&R and was working with the band that was signed and I got a friendship with people that used to be in other bands. So when I decided I want to make the project and create a, my own lineup, I was asking my friends that living in the States and obviously playing in other bands to join me and, and do it together. So at the end, it was only at the beginning, it was only me Israeli and all the rest of the lineup was American. And when I decided to go back and make music again, then I went back to, the, to, to, to my old friends, like Paul Kaur from November's Doom. He's a very famous uh, vocalist from Chicago. So I asked him if he wanted to do it. And he says, yes. And then I was doing an album with him and I had another friend from Norway. His name is Shietel Nordos. He played in a band called Green Carnation. And I asked him if he wanted to join me and make an album together. So basically, I think that nowadays when Facebook and Instagram and everything and WhatsApp, everything is so easy and you can reach people from all over the world, then my first instinct was to go and talk to people I used to work with. Later, when I was deciding, when we decided to go and do like live shows and festivals and tours, it was making more difficult to work with people that are not uh, local. So one step lead to another, and now we are full Israeli bands. Fantastic, man. Fantastic. I I think whatever you're doing right now is amazing and just keep on keeping it going, dude. It's great. And this new album. Sorry. sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So sorry. I wanted to ask a question for, for a while, but uh, so I don't, sorry, man. I don't really know much about Israeli music and what comes out of Israel other than like, basically I used to be a huge Psytrance fan. And like, you know, if you're into Psytrance, Israeli is kind of the place to be. And I, yeah. and I noticed like in some of your music, you've got some very uh, psychedelic influence. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? It's like I, I'm a big fan. I've seen like uh, I don't know, Infected Mushroom and Sun Project live a bunch of times, and several other Israeli DJs that do that kind of stuff. So, could you tell us more about the psychedelic influence? Israel is huge in inside France. I know, and it's the the place to be. It's either it's like how do you say? I think Israel's number one. Probably India, where it originated, is number two. And Japan also, no, there there be a very big scene in Japan uh yeah there's a big scene but it's still very very underground though i would say really yeah okay because a, a lot of the you'll, you'll see it in clubs once like so, some of the major clubs are just straight up bandit but like some of those parties that i used to go to are very much underground they're very much in, invitation only if you don't know someone that you're not getting in but they're out like crazy like raves out in the middle of nowhere like like in the forest of death of all places and the, you know i've seen like just not so stuff that's that's where the, those parties are at are you serious yeah, in the yeah. force of death? Yes. The force of death. Get the yeah. fuck out of here. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah dude. I've seen it. We're going to do a bunch of raids there. Really? Suicide force. I had no idea. Yeah. They have them, dude. It's a thing. Totally a thing. This uh, Japanese DJ, uh, Siyoshi Suzuki. Uh, yeah, I know him. <laughs> I, I, well, I, I, know, I know him quite well, actually. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, he, he was, he was my, uh, he was one of my DJ instructors and he kicked me out of his school because he basically wasn't doing, doing his job. I got you. <laughs> so so I, I, I had a bit of a, I had a bit of a row with me. He booted me out and then I went, did, went and did my own thing and actually did pretty good for a while. And then I don't know, I was pissed off at him, but like, you know, we talked and now we're cool. Never really going to be friends, but like, you know, eh, let shit go. Right. Yeah. So you're doing side trends. 
So you, uh, I used to, I, I, I've kind of given up on the DJ, man. I didn't, I didn't want to make this like, about, about me, but I was just asking, like, since you guys are Israeli, I was like, oh man, the site trans thing, like, that's gotta be like a factor because like, you know, some of your stuff's kind of psychedelic. Mm-hmm. And yeah, well, I, I know Siyoshi used to play in Israel a lot. And I'm aware of that. And, and uh, Sammy CPU used to as well as another instructor of mine. Everybody playing Israel, my brother, everybody. Mm-hmm. There is a big scene of electronic uh, music and sidetrans in Israel. I used to do like um, stage scaffolding and events. So I used to work a lot with uh, underground trans parties. So I've been seeing everybody. And I'm not a huge tra- psychedelic trans fan myself, but I really like uh, twisted record artists like Spongel and OTT and Younger Brother. Ah, and- I've seen all of those live. They're fucking excellent. Yeah, what I like about this is how they make, uh, how they, they blend the flutes and guitars and electric guitars and world music into their electronic stuff. Mm. And I, I was listening to this for a while and was making, uh, when I was making the last couple of albums, along with Shai, he's the guy who's doing a lot of LSD, that video was telling you about. We, mm. we, we, we were talking about mixing some of those electronic elements in our music, because not as much as Spongel does it, but take a little bit of those elements and mix them with electric guitar, with heavy electric guitar. Mm. At the end, what it does, it gives a lot of um, depth to the music because mm. we are not only like trash metal, the heavy, heavy guitars. We have at the back, we have all the psychedelics and all those uh, synthesizer pads that give depth and uh, like 3D for the music. Yeah. Is that, is that kind of a common thing for you guys? Because when I was listening to your music, I'm noticing a lot of like, there's a lot of cut, paste, and influences from like kind of a broad spectrum of stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really didn't hit, hit, like expect to hear like instrumentals, you know, stuff and like, you know, basically, you know, trumpets in a metal band or anything like that. But, you know, but there's a psychedelic element, you know, there's screaming, there's a bit of this. There's a bit of, so there's, there's kind of a lot going on and like, you know, tracks vary. Yeah, we listen to a lot of music. Okay. And, you know, and, and, and for me, when, I, when I'm writing music, I, I, do, I don't really limit myself to a genre. For me, I like it. It sounds good. It can work out with my music. I don't care if it's trumpet or sitar or like synthesizer. We make music and music has no limits. So for me, everything works as long as it's good. Okay, that's cool. So you're a fan of good music only and nothing else. Right. <laughs> Only good music, brother. Everything right. aside of classical right. music, I guess. <laughs> all right, all right, I got you, I got you. All right, thanks. <laughs> all right, yeah, all right, Johnny, I'll, I'll, I'll kick it back to you. I just had, I, I was, I was kind of very fixated on that one point, but I, I can kick it back to you now, Johnny. No, that was that was awesome. That was a great question. Why is Psytrance so popular in Israel? We like it very much, and maybe because of how. We are going through some hectic time in politics and religion and uh, Israeli community is very divided. So people are looking for ways to get uh, their, uh, maybe therapy, you can call it like this. And music is therapy. What? Or just, or just a way to fucking chill out, relax and forget about the problems, right? Yeah, to handle uh, PTSD. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the way to do it, you know? You get, you get drunk and you listen to music that makes you jump and uh, scream and, and get, get all your vibes out. Lechaim. Lechaim, Shinobade. This is how we got That's true, that's true. No, I think, I think have everything with a side trance is 
a result of, you know, we have to, the, the people in Israel, the guys, they need to serve uh, three years in the army, the girls two years. And usually what happens is the, in the culture, there is this uh, thing, uh, the, the big trip. Before, after you're done with the army, usually people want to go and see the world before they start studying. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the 90s, India was very, very popular. That in Thailand. Thailand yeah. as well. And now, and now South America. South America is becoming uh, bigger and bigger for uh, Israeli travelers. Don't you get $50,000? Like once you finish the military, you get $50,000, like a check, and then you can just use it any which way you want, right? No. That's not true? I haven't got this check ever. Really? No, but I didn't finish, to be honest. I, I, did, I did only half of it. I did only half of it, but um, a lot of people... No, I think, I think you can get some grant if you want to go to school or open a business... But it's fifty thousand dollars. Not not at all. This, these are not the numbers. It's way lower. Oh, way lower. That's a lot of fucking. Oh, dude. Fuck, dude. No, it's way lower. It's way. Y'all be growing money trees in Israel or some shit. Oh man, that's insane. So basically, so but now people are going to South America and stuff. Hmm. That's interesting. You know, for a while, like in like the early 2000s, there was a lot of people from Israel coming to Japan. Japan was kind of a hot spot for a bit. Uh -huh. Yeah. People are very curious about Japan here. How long have you been in Tokyo already? 20, 19 years. Wow. wow. Yeah, since 2002. But I first came here in 1998, but then I finally moved here in 2002. And uh, yeah, that's that's it for me. Tom's been here for like what two weeks? Uh, I've been here like maybe in Tokyo, twelve years in Japan, probably total ah. seventeen. Yeah, so oh. a lot, 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 little, little, little bit behind Johnny, but like yeah, quite a long time. Basically, most of my adult life. Yeah, Pretty you guys want to have this conversation in Japanese? <laughs> wow, that, that's crazy. That's really cool, guys. Cool. <laughs> could you could you find could you find yourself easily, or was it a process? I understand. To, I mean, getting being comfortable and feeling at home. Uh, well, you know what? I mean, okay. Whenever you move to like a country or even to like a new location, it kind of goes in waves. You go into these humps, right? So mm -hmm. basically, like, I mean, once you're here, the first six months is like a complete honeymoon. Everything you mm -hmm. do is completely well, new. Honest, honestly, it can be more. I've seen people like over a year still in their honeymoon phase, but just like Google-eyed about shit. But yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, so it's about like six months to a year. And then after that, you kind of get mm, a little bit, um, I don't know. What do you think, Tom? It's like depression. Jaded, bitter, kind of pissed off. No, well, you don't get that in the first year, but no, you kind of get. No, I'm saying after, you're saying after that though, because like the the, the you know, after the honeymoon phase is over, it's kind of like things start to kind of piss you off, but you still like it, and so you start love hating it, maybe. No, Tom, you're fucked up. Anyway, so the thing is basically, <laughs> <laughs> basically after like everything becomes like kind of it becomes normalized, right? All so right. If you see some kid walking down the street wearing like like high heels that are like this big and they got like purple hair with like pink makeup on and stuff, you're like, oh, cool. 
whatever, you know, and then things just become kind of normal. And then you kind of go through this depression kind of thing, because if like wherever you're from, doesn't matter which city in the world, New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, wherever, London, you know, when you come to Japan, everything's just insane. Right. And then once insanity becomes normal, going back to like your home city, everything kind of becomes kind of boring. Like I lived in San Francisco for seven years before I came to Tokyo and San Francisco, I went back for a little vacation and, and, you know, I saw this guy dressed like a girl that was like 400 pounds with his dick hanging out. And I was like, boring, you know, <laughs> you know, everything Just another Tuesday. Tokyo. Like, so I highly don't recommend that people move to Tokyo, but just visit Tokyo. <laughs> I would say I, I would say something similar to him. I would say it's kind of a sliding scale. Like you go through the honeymoon phase, and then then like then you start like doing going the roller coaster, where it's ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs. But at at the end, basically, long story short, like the the good far outweighs the bad, so you just kind of like it and stay. That's true. But, like, but that 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 said, like honestly, like literally every I don't just I don't I don't say this lightly because I, obviously everybody's a different person with a different background history, but li literally everybody's story is different and like how they relate, who they met at first, what happened, this and that and the other thing. So, mm. yeah, I, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about your tour. You guys just had an epic tour before the COVID. So you guys were on tour for like what? 24 days, 27 days, and you guys traveled all over Europe. Where did you go? You went to yep. everywhere, man. This was this was literally everywhere. We did eleven months before that. We did something like ten countries, and then on the latest one, which is the one that we filmed for the documentary, uh, we were in France, in Germany, in Belgium, in Spain, in Portugal. Uh, um, we went this year, that year as well. We were we were in Romania. We played in Russia before. Um, basically everywhere besides of Scandinavia, um, which I'm in love with, but we didn't get there yet. Um, this was everywhere. It, the last one was focusing a lot on, on, uh, on the Netherlands, on France and Germany and Switzerland. the Spanish, the Spanish one. right? We did Switzerland as well. Yeah. We, everywhere, man. Everywhere. Mm. That was beautiful experience. It's all it always is. It it never it never gets old. Never did, gets did, old. Did, did you have a favorite out of any of those countries or cities you visited? Well, Porto was nice. Porto was amazing. Porto, yeah, I was thinking about Portugal as well. Porto and Portugal was amazing. Very, very, very. It's like you're in a drawing. Mm. It's like a pirate city which I, I love pirates. So for me, it was like, boom, that was great. Um, I'm, I'm definitely getting a pirate something with the, the way you dress, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I love pirates. I love pirates. That's, that's I'm, cool, I'm, man. There's nothing wrong with that, I'm, man. Pirates are dope. I'm on a ship right now. No, I'm on a <laughs> so you, you're on the, the you ship. Know, let, let me guess. You're on the ship, but yeah, with, with your booze. But I think Tomer's the captain, right? On Subterranean Masquerade. Totally, I would I would say that he's that he is the captain. Don't don't let my uh, my orientation sucks. My orientation is horrible. If I wouldn't have uh, Google Maps, I wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> but I think I, I think Portugal was 
with something special. Um, everywhere that is close to the Mediterranean Sea somehow reminds us home. And there's a, there's a certain electricity that we recognize as our own. Uh, we love playing in front of people in uh, in Germany and Switzerland, this place, but they don't jump as high as the Spanish people and the Portuguese people mm-hmm. and the French people. Okay. All right. Very cool. Interesting. Awesome. Any any crazy tour stories you want to lay on us? Because we love to hear those crazy tour stories, man. I, I, have, a, I have a story not from this tour. Is this okay? Yeah. I'll, I'll fucking go for it, dude. As long as, yeah, it, as, long cool. as it's good and entertaining. Like cool. Yeah, man. Okay. Russia. I'll tell you about Russia a little bit. Oh, oh fuck so, Russia. <laughs> Russia, man. I hate No, Russia. not everything. Yeah, Toma doesn't want to go back to Russia. Never I played again. in Russia. Wait, wait, I because you can't go back to Russia? <laughs> they kicked you out? <laughs> no. But they look at no. you strange. <laughs> The, the, there is a thing there, but I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the story. I'll tell you the story. So uh, I've been playing in Russia since 2012. I've toured four times in Russia already, and uh, 2012 was the first ever tour that I've had outside of Israel. This was the first time, and our booker. It was a, with a band called Rain of the Architect. This doesn't matter. Um, the booker. Uh, our manager said, if you want to get to Europe, you have to first um, practice your tour, your tour life. So let's get you to somewhere that is uh, not necessarily inside Europe. We'll get you like a tour that is a little bit difficult. We'll get you there. And then uh, the industry will see that you start to have some experience with tours, da 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 da, da and then we can go and book the big stuff. So uh, I said, okay, sure. That was almost 10 years ago. I said, yeah, cool. Um, so he booked us 10 shows in Russia. And, and we went there. We went to Russia. Uh, Israelis don't need visa. You can just land there and go in. And uh, most of the shows were not in the big cities. So we had one in Moscow, right? But besides that, everything was in all kind of weird villages, weird Russian villages. And everything, you know, you're driving there and the roads are missing. You're driving there and the village is completely ruined, but people still live there. Like places that are really hardcore, really hardcore. It's not all of Russia. It's, it's not all of Russia like this at all, but somehow the booker did a fantastic job in finding us very dangerous places to tour through. Wow. So I will, I will take you to a place called, I think it was Penza. No, it was Izhevsk. The place is called Izhevsk. So we're going, we get the show running, uh, we get to the place, um, and that's a strip club. Like it's a Russian club. strip club. Yeah, it's a strip club. Yeah. Like when, a Motley Crue music video. <laughs> yeah, but Russian. Oh, but Russian. So that's no. Better. That's so, even better. <laughs> so, 
So it's a it's a Motley Crew Russian video. We get into the strip club and then uh, they're telling us, "Oh no, you're not playing here. You're playing in the cellar of the strip club." We're going down to the cellar of the strip club. The dead and body. everything. Oh my god, man, that was that was scary. Everything is like a graffiti with skulls in in Russian and all kind of symbols that we're not sure how to interpret. And we say, okay, we're not from here. Maybe it's not as violent as we perceive it. Da, 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 da. And uh, our bass player back then, he was his his grandparents are from uh, the Ukraine, so he looks a little bit from around there. And uh, he has a, he had a shaven head and um, a hockey coat, like a military coat. Oh, okay. Yeah, a military coat. So uh, we go in and he starts talking to people and uh, this guy is a bit stoned all the time, right? And uh, being stoned in, in Russia. So he comes to us to the backstage, with, which was... We just lived in a asbest kind of a room. And he tells me, man, I think these guys are Nazis. What? And Yeah. And I'm telling him, what? What are you talking about? He said, yeah, they came to me. They started spoke, speaking Russian with me because, because I look like them. And uh, I didn't understand. And then they told me, where are you from? And I said, I'm from Israel. So they told me, we are Nazis. So I told him, so you don't think, you don't think these guys are Nazis. These guys told you that they are Nazis, right? He's like, yeah, I, I guess so. I guess so. So more and more of them, I'm going out of the room. I'm like picking with my eye out. And there is like a 15 people gang of skinheads inside, you know, with the white power and everything. And we are inside the cellar, inside the cellar of a strip club in the middle of Russia. You're in the, the basement. Only... You're in the fucking basement. And this is how horror movies this are. Is terrible. Right, right. This is this this was insane. We are locking ourselves in the room. I wish I was that creative to to invent this story, but no. It's just what happened. So I'm, we're locking ourselves in the room and we're talking to the promoter and we're telling him, listen, this is, this is, this is bad. We can't, we can't go and play. We can't go and play. They, they literally came to us, asked where we're from, told us that they are neo-Nazis. What are we supposed to do? And he said, ah, don't worry, not a lot of them will come because I didn't announce that you're from Israel. Oh, man. One is and we bad. Said, one is really, really, yeah. really, really, really bad. More than one is even worse. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is insane. So we said, what do you mean you didn't publish we're from Israel? And he said, oh, yeah, it's written here that you're from Mexico. Because so, <laughs> that makes it better. Well, actually, that doesn't make it better. So we were like, "What? What the fuck? We're not playing. Are you okay, man? Bless you, dude. No, no, no. This is incredible. I've never heard this story. But they're like, they're they're from Mexico. So all these Nazis showed up. They're like, oh, we love Mexican music. We love we love Mexican. We love Mexican Mexicans. metal. But, but Israelis, Jewish people, no, 
What the hell did you do next? Okay, so we say, dude, we're not playing. And he said, well, you kind of have a problem because <laughs> you're in the basement. You, anyhow, you'll need to go through them. And I don't know how to tell them that there will be no show. You've got like so three problems. <laughs> yeah, so, so you need to play. You need to play, man. And I'm, I'm going around and I'm looking for bricks and stuff. And I'm... <laughs> Because I don't know how I'm going to go on stage. And like someone is going to jump at me. And I'm in the front. So I need to hold something the entire time. Oh, my God. We tell him, we tell the promoter, man, we don't know what to do. We're, we're extremely frightened. We don't know what to do. And then he said, okay, okay, I have an idea. Wait here. We're going to postpone the show for a little bit. So we're waiting. We're waiting. And then he comes back and he said, okay, no problem. Uh, you guys are covered. So he called, apparently, he called uh, guys from a, an anti-fascist gang that lives in, the, in, the, in this village or this area. And he just brought in those people inside. And they said, these guys will protect you. If someone is jumping at you, I got your back. We brought people. So we don't know what to do. We're going on stage. It's our turn. It's our turn. We're going on stage. Getting this was the sickest. Hearing the story. This is this is. I thought I thought this is this is the last day. You know, this is the last day. And uh, I'm holding this thing like this. I'm holding everything um, very tight to me. I'm holding the microphone stand like if I need to. Doosh, doosh, I don't know what. And. And I'm a small guy, man. I'm not 170 even. I'm like 168. I'm a small guy. These guys are fucking refrigerators. And I don't know what to do. Guys, this was the sickest mosh pit I've ever seen in my life. What? They got into the music. They went crazy. All of them together, both gangs. They're going crazy. The show is done. One of them is coming to me, takes off his shirt, gives me the shirt, and says, you guys played today good, and you are not Muslims. You can go. <laughs> what the oh, fuck? Man. Oh, my God. That's crazy. <laughs> Did his shirt have, like, a bunch this of swastikas on it or some shit? Oh, my God. This was horrible. We, we took our shit. We ran out. The, the bouncer said Zig Heil. Oh, oh we God. just got the, we got, got the fuck out of there, slept for three hours, and started driving to the next place. Oh, we got my to the next place. God. Wait, wait, wait. So you're, you're, you didn't even get to like, enjoy any of those like Russian stripper titties or anything, did you? You just <laughs> like, oh, fuck. Tom, Tom, they had swastikas on their fucking titties and ass, dude. No, you get the fuck out of Dodge when you see that shit, dude. You, it's like fucking like, what's that Quentin Tarantino movie and shit where they had the fucking like the whole club that's full of vampires? Once you see yeah. it, one view yeah. from Dustfield yeah. Dawn. Get the fuck out of there, man. <laughs> yeah, so see, I would, see, when the strippers were taking their clothes off, they got like swastika pasties on them. Oh, exactly. Get the this was out. insane. And we ke we kept on driving. We got to the next place. We met people. We started speaking with them. No skinheads. No skinheads in the next venue. Oh. I'm so happy. 
I'm talking to two guys and then they tell me like, like I'm going, I'm going to go on stage. And then the guy that I'm talking to the entire evening and is very nice and said, listen, man, I have to tell you something uh, because you're so nice. Uh, you should know we're Nazis. <laughs> what? And what the fuck is with Nazis and Russians, dude? A Nazi Russian strip club, dude. That is fucking insane, dude. What the fuck is going on up there? I don't know. The village in the villages, it was pretty crazy. And this was a day, an evening after evening like that. Uh, we got to a place called Krasnodar. Our bass player got mugged and roofied. Uh, it, it, it was. If you want, I can write a book about those 10 dates. You probably so should. That's, that's, the craziest, yeah, that's the craziest story that I have, like a tour story. My there God. Are, you know, I, I, there I think, are more I think, always, uh, but that's the craziest yeah. one. Yeah, I think, uh, I think I understand why Tomer maybe doesn't want to go back to Russia. Yeah, I agree. Every <laughs> 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 again. No. <laughs> but I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. Moscow is great. St. Petersburg is one of the most beautiful cities I've ever seen. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> never go but, back there. <laughs> um, Tomer, man, you've been rocking long and long and you know a bit hard. Uh, sorry, a bit longer than uh, Idi is. So you, you got any stories? You, you, can you top that? I mean, what's going on with you? Um, I actually no, I cannot top this. This is an amazing story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just this so happy really you survived. <laughs> We are happy we survived as well. When I lived in the States, I used to go for uh, metal festivals and uh, sell merchandise in a booth. So I, rem I remember doing this one festival in New Jersey and then a bunch of skinheads with swastikas tattooed here came to me and started asking me questions about CDs and stuff. And as you can hear, I got my accent and whoever knows a little bit about Israeli and, uh, and Hebrew knows it. I'm not local. And I start asking me questions too. And you know, they're fucking huge. I don't know how come that all the Nazis are so big. <laughs> it's like they're growing. They, they feed them, they feed them with Jews. Fucking steroids. I mean, that's no, 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 no. I got it. Small brain, big body. There you go. Exactly. Mm -hmm. This is this is it. And it it was very, very scary. So after uh, these guys went, I just went into the bus and stayed there for the end of the festival. It's very scary to go in and meet those, those kind of people especially when you are from the other side in new jersey uh, fuck dude new jersey yeah no oh, i got nothing to do over there i guess i don't know uh, yeah. but if you're if you're listening in new jersey we love you yeah we do <laughs> we have fans all over the world oh man okay um i got a couple but, more questions. i got a couple more questions before we go into the news um first off my my, my next question is what are you guys doing because of COVID. Like, in what term? Like, what do you mean? How are you guys? How are you guys staying together and staying a unit and staying progressive due to COVID during this COVID situation? We did more in the COVID years uh, than any other year, actually. Wait, wait. So wait, wait. So you guys, because of COVID, have been more progressive than many other bands. Because I know a lot of bands right now that have not been doing anything. But you guys are still rocking. Yeah, we've been doing so much shit over this last uh, year. Actually, actually, whoa, what is it? Actually, more than any other year. Because it's the ambulance, sorry. Sorry. Mm. Yeah, we had no, because we had no shows, 
and we all stayed home and all of us got uh, their own uh, home, uh, small home equipped uh, studio, recording studio. So we, we start making music in uh, Zoom like this and start giving one each other uh, all kind of uh, ideas and start working on songs. And we actually wrote, recorded and produced and released a full length album in these six months of uh, quarantine that we had in Israel. Wow. Last year. That's awesome. Yeah. We, we've been making a lot of music and we've been gaining a lot of new fans and we've been doing a lot of promo and uh, than any other year. And it was actually for the good year for us. Mm. Well, that's awesome. I, so basically in Israel, there's no Netflix. Oh yeah, there is. <laughs> no, there is Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can, can, I, can I ask like how, how Israel's doing the, during this pan, pandemic? Cause like, I just, we don't honestly know because like what we hear in the news, cause like basically the news cycle is all majorly focused on like basically the country and but you only hear two like you know you only hear two things about other countries either they're completely fucked because of covid or oh they're oh yeah they're doing fucking great they're getting through this great and like there's nothing in between i also uh don't think that paints the full picture so like how, how are things in israel Tom, get closer to the fucking microphone oh sorry <laughs> well, oh sorry yeah hey tom tom ask that question again yeah close so, to the microphone all right, so one more time real quick. Um, yeah, I just wanted to ask like how the COVID is affecting Israel because like basically I think most news cycles are kind of focused on like whatever country you're in. But like the only news you hear about like other countries is basically you only hear two things. You know, man, that, that country's completely been fucked over by COVID or you're, oh, they're doing fucking great and blah, blah, blah. You know, and, but like, I don't think like that really paints an actual whole picture. And I don't, I don't, I don't know, like how has it affected Israel, I guess. I think we are the country that had the longest quarantine um, in the whole world, I think, altogether. We've been, we've been going over some very hectic uh, time here. And I think, I think COVID mixed with politics because we have a very fragile political uh, situation in Israel for, for, for quite some time, actually. So politicians have been using uh, the, the, the COVID for their own interest. We, we've, been, we've, we've been doing all right, I guess. And now uh, everybody is, is getting their uh, vaccines. So everything okay. is starting to get uh, open again. And uh, oh, you good. can see, yeah, yeah, you can see live shows and business are opening and the streets are uh, getting up and running again. And I, I, think, I think it's getting better, but the last year was a disaster. It was very hard, I think. My last question is about tour tips. Now, guys, a lot of people from all over the world listen to this podcast and a lot of them, some of them anyway, are in bands. Now, the thing is, a lot of people that are in bands don't really tour that much. And since you guys are experienced and you guys have a lot of experience regarding touring all over Europe and in Russia, what are some tips that you can give to the people listening to this podcast now? Take a shower um, after six. It's, it stinks the old bus. <laughs> <laughs> Take a shower after sex. <laughs> <laughs> That's one. Um, poop before you go on the nightliner. Uh, poop before you go on the nightliner's uh, night night drive. Okay. You're not gonna you're not gonna be able to poop inside the nightliner. We actually had uh, we had uh, like signs everywhere. 
with French accents because the tour manager was French. So it was, no shit on the bus. So <laughs> no make sure you do what you need. Yeah, make sure you do what you need. Make sure you do what you need before because the toilet in the Nightliner will not sustain uh, any pooping. No pooping. But, oh, no. man, that's insane, dude. All right, well, those are two good tips to live by. Tom, do you have any <laughs> last questions before we uh, take a break? No, nah, man, I think I'm good, man. I think I asked what I wanted to ask. Uh, I was particularly happy about uh, getting the Israelis' perspective on their psychedelic stuff influence because I've heard, you know, I've heard a lot about that. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That was fucking great. Um, <clears throat> before we take a break, how can everybody listening to the show get involved and listen to your band? What are the best places? Facebook. Spotify, we are on Spotify, we're on Facebook. Uh, there is our uh, formal uh, official website, uh, subterraneanmasquerade.net. And uh, we're gonna go and upload quite a lot of content in the next uh, half a year before the album is coming out. And after there's the documentary, there are acoustic shows, there are new video clips, there is a lot of thing, a lot of things going on. Uh, join our Facebook, Subterranean Masquerade, also on Spotify, um, and we'll do our best to give you the highest quality of metal with world music that we can give you. Hell yeah, dude! But don't forget, man, your YouTube presence is impressive. YouTube, that's music. true. YouTube, you guys yeah. have like what 40 videos? I mean, there's so many videos. I mean, there are so there's so much content on your YouTube page. I mean, even for like major bands, you guys fucking outdo them times 10. Yeah, we spend yeah, a that's lot our of time on YouTube page. Sorry. YouTube, YouTube as well. You're right. Thank you for reminding me. The YouTube channel of subterranean masquerade. Yeah, you guys got some great videos up there too, man. Fucking your videos are fantastic. <clears throat> I don't know who's making the videos for you guys, but um, whoever's making those videos, you guys definitely got to pay them more. <laughs> they're, they're fucking awesome, man. Fucking, it's great. Baders, check out the YouTube page. Before you do anything, check out the YouTube page, then go to Spotify and Facebook and all that stuff. Because once you check out the YouTube, you're just like, oh shit, these guys can fucking rock. Yeah, dude. Oh, shit. You get excited. You get interested. Then you go to fucking like all the other pages and you're like, all right, cool. I got some background information and stuff. And then you go to their homepage and you can buy their latest CD. Are you at Harajuku with some out of town friends or your family or significant others? Yeah. Do you want to chill and drink beer and eat sandwiches while your friends overpay for glitter unicorn socks? Yeah. And the flavor's going to make you complete. At Harry's Sandwich Company. So come on down to Harry's Sandwich Company in the heart of Harajuku, right off Takeshita Street. See you there! Yo, what's up, faders? It's your boy, Johnny. I have an opportunity for you. Well, in fact, I have 50 opportunities for you. A few years ago, I painted all 50 American states. And in each and every state, I painted in all major city names, the state's cultural icons, pop culture that pertains to that specific state, and a whole lot more fun, interesting, and educationally groovy stuff. The project took me over eight months to complete, and now they're yours forever. 
I have digital prints available for download on the Spilt Inks Etsy shop. These prints started off at about five bucks a pop, but not anymore. These high resolution prints are a dollar each. They're yours for a dollar each. So brighten up your walls and expand your mind with your favorite state. These prints are a dollar each and they're worth so much more. These, are, these, these paintings are absolutely incredible. You're gonna love them. And if you don't like the state project, that's cool, that's cool. Johnny still has love for you. But check out the Spilled Inks Etsy shop to find all sorts of other wild art that will save your soul and blow your mind. So go down to the show notes for a direct link to the Spilled Inks Etsy shop. Go there, shop away, support the show because we love you and we love art too. So faders, without further ado, enjoy the show. In Tokyo and craving soul food, we've got just the place for you. Soul Food House in Azubujuban. Check out what we do at soulfoodhouse.com. Come by and taste the love. We look forward to feeding you. Mitsuya Liquors. Yo, what's up, faders? If you're in Asia, if you're in Japan, if you're in Tokyo, if you're in Asagaya, you better get down to Mitsuya Liquors. That's right. For the most affordable prices in Japan, you can get over 300 different kinds of beer. That's right. Over 300 different kinds of beer. And of course, they got all the shochu you need, all the sake you need. And of course, they got wine from California to Italy to France to New Zealand. They got it all. When I say they got it all, they really seriously got it all. There's no joke about that. So get down to Mitsuya Liquors. And if you go in there and you say, got fit of Japan, you will be more than welcome to go into their back room and drink those beers that you just purchased. That's right. Got fit of Japan at Mitsuya Liquors. And three times a week, they have a sushi chef there. So get your sushi on, get your drink on, get your fade on, and come on down to Mitsuya Liquors, located comfortably in Asagaya. About five-minute walk from the station. It's your liquors. Hey, yo, what's up, faders? Johnny here. You know I love booze and news, but I also love art. So come on down to thespiltink.com and check my art out. I've got tons of stuff there for you to check out. And I've got paintings, I've got prints, I've got videos. And I tell you what, if you like a painting, I could probably sell it to you. And I tell you what... If I can't sell you that painting, I will definitely sell you a print. I've got prints of all my work. Prints are about 2,000 N each, about 20 bucks. But if you buy two, you get the third one for free. So come on down to thespiltink.com. Yo, and on top of that, I'm looking for commissioned work. So if there's something that you want me to do, I can make it for you. Just check out my stuff and see if you like my style. And if you like my style, I can definitely paint you anything on canvas, paper, whatever. I've done it all. So come on down to thespiltink.com. That is T-H-E-S-P-I-L-T-I-N-K.com. Thespiltink.com. Proper. If you're going to get your fade on, you got to get your fade on in style. And that's why I use Ghost Town Palmade. Ghost Town Palmade is the number one badass palmade. And I practice what I preach. When I leave this house, if I'm not wearing a hat, if I'm not wearing a lid, I'm wearing Ghost Town Palmade in my hair. This stuff is amazing. It smells good, it looks good, and it feels good. Ghost Town Palmade. Badass palmade. And let me tell you one thing comes in a lid. That's pretty badass. This whole world is so nerfed up these days. Everything is plastic and pink, but not Ghost Town Palmade. This stuff is a man's palmade, and it is 
hardcore. It's so hardcore, it's from Oakland, California. Oakland, California. That's right. Ghost Town Palmade. Get your bait on in style. Papa. And we are back, faders. Okay, so what we have here is we have the news, and we've got four amazing news stories, and we're gonna be reading the news with fucking the subterranean masquerade. I'm I'm so stoked to do this. Tom, are you excited? I'm happy, man. Like, dude, fucking uh, how do you say sharing news stories with bands is always a fun part. Always amazing. Always amazing. Oh, man. This is going to be awesome because you guys have got lots and lots and lots of amazing life experiences. And I know you're going to have incredible input on these new stories. So um, without further ado, Faders, um, the news. All right. All right. So here I am starting. 76-year-old woman arrested for killing husband with saw. Policed in Chigo- Chigasawaki. What? How? How do I say it? Chigasaki, Chigasaki. Police in Chigasaki, Kanawaga Prefecture has arrested a 70 years old woman on suspicion of killing her 83 years old husband with a saw. According to the police, Yokomo has admitted to killing her husband Toshio by cutting his neck with a saw for a mound of two hours from 11 a.m. Friday as he slept, as he slept, ladies and gentlemen, on his side in his fortune. Fuji TV reported Mao was quoted by police as saying she had hated her husband for years. <laughs> police said the couple lived with their son who was at work on Friday and did not return home until late at night. Mo called 110 at around 8 p.m. and said she had killed her husband. Police said Maru told them her husband used to beat her and never give her any money and that her hatred for him had been building up over many years. Wow. That's dark. It's very dark. Happy Halloween. Yeah. Tomer, what do you think about this story? I think it's horrible. Honestly, but, <laughs> but I'm not really sure how a 73 year old woman can work out a chainsaw like this. It's very hard. slowly, slowly, huh? I hate you so much. Yeah, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a chainsaw though. It was a, oh, actually, we should ex- explain like the saws are different because you know, like the, the saws, like you know, where we're from are like handheld. You know, but like theirs are like they're on a long stick and like almost kind of like a spear at the end. That's like how their saws are. So they're, I don't know, a little bit more intimidating looking. So she was like, it's like Gepetto. But what I wondered is how deep was his sleep? Yeah. You know, I was going to ask that like, two hours. And he was just like, hey, honey, uh, he, he wakes up. She's like, hey, what are you doing? Oh, don't worry about it. Just go back to bed. I'm giving you a saw massage. <laughs> It's uh, I I I wonder about that, like whether he woke up and he was like, ah, oh, fuck it, or <laughs> I don't know, man. Know. I don't know. I mean, maybe she was really aggressive. Maybe she was like Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where she's okay. all wicked with that shit. And so, so like the first, the first moment was like the killing moment, and then the rest was just creativity. Well, it took her two hours to do it. 
And, and well, that's perseverance. And I'm going to say perseverance. That's true. And women in Japan are really good with cooking and cutting things and stuff, right? They're, they're great in the kitchen. They know how to use a fucking knife, right? So the thing is, for her to take two hours, she definitely was making this into some kind of like origami project or some shit. And she's definitely enjoying it, man. To do anything for two hours, exactly. unless you're like paid and it's paid work, man. She was enjoying herself, man. Let's not forget that. Is Friday a day off in Japan? No, no, oh, no. There's no days off in Japan. No days off in Japan. Okay, so it couldn't be any day. It wasn't like, oh, this is a special day. I have some time. I'm going to kill my husband with the saw. No, but although it was a Friday, but the the sun was working, which is strange because, I mean, if she's like 76 years old, this, that means the sun's got to be at least like 55 years old, mm. which I think is some actual like kind of like uh, maybe pressure on the relationship. Maybe the husband was like, oh, this fucking kid, he'll never leave. And then the wife, she's like, oh, he should stay. I love the kid so much or whatever, but he's no longer a kid. He's like a fucking 55 year old man, which is like fucking older than me and Tom put together. <laughs> this interesting. Uh, I haven't thought about that. Well, yeah, that's that's the weird fucking thing about Japan, though. Is like it's it basically like unless they have a reason to move out, kids just don't. Unless like unless you move away for school or work, or you get married, you just live with your parents until you're fifty or whenever, and it's just fucking normal. And then you and and then what happens at fifty? That so that's very that's very cool. Well, then the the wife gets angry and cuts the husband's head off with a saw. You you heard it here first, right? I heard it here first. Well, you gotta admit though. I mean, out of all the ways to kill your husband, a saw is an actual, a very interesting choice of weapons. You know, I mean, she could have used poison. She could use a, a a fruit knife. She could use a Rambo knife, fire. But I mean, a fucking saw, dude. That takes like effort and creativity. I mean, that she's like, you know, the movie The Running Man. She could be like an evil villain on The Running Man. Jerry, I think it's. Uh... Hate it's she hated him that much. Oh my god, you think the saw was dull? You don't think it was sharp as dull? So that's why, no, not at all. Two hours because of that, yes. Oh my god, it was rusty. Took her time. Uh, No, I'm I'm in agreement with you, you though, man. Because, like, yeah, two hours to cut his head off with this and a saw, nobody uses a fucking saw. So, like, yeah, he must have been beating her something fierce, man. You think he was? He's like 86 years old, dude. Have you seen an 86 year old guy? Dude, it takes them effort just to fart. Maybe it was maybe it was uh, decades ago and uh yeah, maybe he it's well deserved. Maybe it's <laughs> back well deserved. in the 60s you beat the shit out of me when you're all fucked up and shit. Now I'm taking my revenge. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's well deserved. Yeah. <laughs> Be nice to your wife's faders. Be nice to your wife's because when you get older, they're going to fuck you up, dude. I swear to God. Oh, man. Dude, fucking great story, VD. Great story. All right, Tomer, your story. All right. Two high school students sent to prosecutors for shoving shopping carts down mall escalator. Now, this is fun. I used to do that in America. It's fun. <laughs> 
Police in Tokyo have sent papers on two 17-year-old high school students to prosecutors after they intentionally shoved two shopping carts down an escalator at a shopping mall in January. One of the carts hit and injured a woman. The boys who told police they did it as prank shoved the carts of two different times down the escalator of a ion. It's Itabashi shopping center in Tokyo, Itabashi Ward. I hope I pronounced it right. Yeah, it's good. Fuji TV reported one of the boys posted a video of the second incident of the two sharing application TikTok. They, they put us like on TikTok. This is how they, they catch them. The two boys later apologized to Iron Official Shopping Mall and turned themselves into the police after the video went viral. They told police they were just having fun and didn't mean to hurt anyone or cause any damage. All right. Now, I can, I can understand them. It is kind of fun, but you need to make sure you're not hurting anybody. Injure people is not cool. Shoving down... A, sh- sh- <laughs> Yeah, this is fun. It's fun to do it, but everything people is not good. Boys will be boys. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of what amazing. I was thinking. These are the news in Japan. I think yeah. it's amazing. These are the news in Japan. This is. I wish these were the news. This was the news section in Israel. Oh yeah, this Japan. Is Japan is pretty interesting because we get like wives chopping off the heads of their husband. Well, not chopping up, but cutting off the heads of their husbands using a saw, and then the next story is like. Two kids were playing bingo and why it got out of control and uh, maybe like bingo, you know, I mean, things get out of control here. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I was gonna say, man, when I heard this, this the title for the story, I was like, I knew it was either TikTok or YouTube was involved, man, because like you knew it. But yeah, man, I agree. When I was at the same age, we used to like take shopping carts from the shopping mall. We'd take them out to a hill and just like jump in them and like ride them down the hill and, you know, get cuts and bruises. And it was fun. But like, that's okay because we weren't hurting other people. We're just hurting ourselves. But like, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. This is, don't be doing that. Dude, you know what I used to do with shopping carts when I was in college? When I was in college, we'd go to a supermarket and we'd fill up the shopping cart and then basically, after we fill up the shopping cart and we bought all the groceries, we just take the shopping cart for like six blocks down the street to where like where our dormitory was. And then we just fucking like just take like the shop. We leave the shopping cart and we take the groceries into our building and we just leave it there and a bum would pick it up. We probably. Yeah, like I was going to say, man, like for sure, a homeless dude pick that up. Oh, yeah, definitely. 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 For sure, man. But yeah, I don't know, man. That's pretty crazy. I wonder how injured this lady got. By being hit with a shopping, how? Wait, wait. I got a question. When you hear a shopping cart going down an escalator, that is loud. That is really loud. This this lady must have been absolutely insane or had mental problems because when you hear when you hear a, you are when you're walking down the street, you'll hear a shopping cart. You look over and you see it coming down. And it's almost like a slow motion. Beep, 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 and you're like, no. You have at least like one minute to get out of the way. This lady, I blame, I blame this on the lady, not the kids. The kids do you, are fucking free. Do, do you, man? Because I really want to see like the TikTok video just to like check it. Because like I, I, I could see where it could go down really fast, or I could see down where it could go down really slow. I don't know, man. I want to see the video. I do want to see the video too. Tom, can you pull up the video and put it on the Facebook page? Uh, I'll look for it. But it might have, but as, as you said already, it's it might be controversial. It might have been taken down. All right, all right, I'm gonna pull a Joel. I'm gonna pull a Joe Rogan. Hey, Jamie, uh, pull that up. 
<laughs> hey, Jamie, uh, can you pull that up? Put it on the uh, video. <laughs> Do a Joe. You know Rogan. what I'm thinking? Uh. I'm thinking maybe, maybe, just maybe. Yeah. The woman that was injured was the woman from the saw accident. No. Yeah. So, you know? No. So she got she got she got hit by two kids and she was like, that's it. That's fucking it. This is the day. She I'm done. I'm done. I'm fucking done. She went home, took off the head of her husband. Like fucking boys. Like that's it. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. I thought it was going to be her escape. Like she's trying to escape and then she was trying to escape. And all of a sudden like the, 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 it hit her, right? <laughs> it, could, it could be. It could, I, I was looking for the, you know, for the, the connection, right? Yeah. For the trigger of, for her, like losing it this day specifically. I mean, dude, that could be like the movie falling down, right? One bad thing happens to another bad thing. And it happens to another bad thing. And then you're Michael Douglas shooting up a fucking McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, it's like a home alone or whatever yeah. bullshit. I remember that was a great movie. Yeah, it's, it's a great movie. movie. Yeah, it's a very good movie. <laughs> but it's eleven. Hey kid, how do you use this bazooka? Oh, I'll show you. And he's like, just da, 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 da. how do you know how to do that? TV. Oh god. That was a good movie. Insane. Okay, next story. Next day. <clears throat> okay. Woo. Here we go, guys. Waseda University student arrested for sex trafficking of minor to acquaintance. Okay, let me clarify this and put this in layman's terms. University student was working in some risky business by pimping out kids. Mm. Police in Tokyo have arrested a 22-year-old student at Waseda University for sex trafficking a minor to a male acquaintance who attended Hokkaido University. Now, this is basically the transcontinental connection. <laughs> Police said that Shuho Ayino, a fourth-year student of Waseda University, is accused of violating the child prostitution and pornography law. Sanki Shimbun reported. Police allege that last August, Inuyu introduced a fifth 15-year-old high school student to his friend who was in his 20s, despite knowing that the girl was under 20, uh, 18 years old. Because in Japan, it's 18 years old. That's the limit. Ayanu, who met the girl on Twitter. Everybody that does anything bad in Japan always meets each other on Twitter. Twitter in Japan is like the Craigslist of the world, dude. Twitter is fucking bad news. In, including that, including that, including that one story we had where like a chick like asked a dude to kill her, and they went knife shopping together so he could stab her to death. That was like our last show, was it? On Twitter, yeah, no, no. Every week we got fucking stories about Twitter. Twitter is bad. Not, not, not just it's that. Like the I mean, ghetto I mean, of the I'm, internet. Yeah, I'm, I'm not just that, but I, but we, I basically, I chose to kick the article, but yeah, I found another similar story which just it happened again this week where a, a chick on Twitter asked a dude to kill her. This time, like, take some sleeping pills and strangle her. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, central murder is now a thing on Twitter. Twitter's dark, isn't, man. Isn't Twitter is like the professional networking in Japan? I guess professional means. Uh, yeah. 
Well, I have no idea. I have no idea. But Twitter's dark in Japan. Twitter's dark here. Anyway, moving forward, last July, after posing an advertisement to teach English to high school students, took her to a hotel on August 30th in Tokyo, Tokyo's Toshima Ward, where his friend was waiting. All right. So basically, this girl met this guy and she wanted to study English. And instead of studying English, she took her to a hotel where she got banged by his friend, quote unquote friend. Moving forward. Is any of this consensual? Well, I don't know. Possibly. It doesn't say. It sounds, like, but here, yeah, let it me, sounds a little bit shady. Well, it does sound in shady. More ways, in, more, in more ways than one. But yeah, go ahead, man. The whole story is shady, man. Okay, moving forward. Police said that the man from Hokkaido paid the girl 30,000 yen, a.k.a. $300, a.k.a. 360 euros to have sex with him. That's a lot of money. Police said Inua has admitted to the charge and quoted him as saying, quote, quote, I introduced the girl to my friend because he asked me to meet a girl, end quote, which is basically the foundation of the pimp game. The incident came to light after the girl's mother saw 30,000 yen in her daughter's purse. So basically, this whole fucking franchise fucking fell apart because the mother saw a big, a lot amount of money in her 15 year old daughter's fucking purse. And she's like, where's this money from? And the fucking daughter spilled the beans. So I think the daughter is kind of a part of it. I mean, even though she was completely taken advantage of because she's a minor, but I mean, I gotta say the conversation must have been so embarrassing and awkward between her and her mother when she had to explain where the money came from. I mean, this has got to be more embarrassing than fucking watching fucking sex lies and videotape with your grandmother. It, it's got to be <laughs> fucked up, dude. Tom, how do you think the conversation went? I think it went pretty badly. She's like, her mother just pulled out a big wad of cash and said, what the fuck? What, what the fuck did you do to get this? And she's like, ah, you know, I met a nice guy and he was good to me. And she's like, so you're no longer a virgin. <laughs> well, I don't think the mother said that. All right, Vidi, what do you think? <laughs> I, I, this whole thing looks bad. Yeah, bad, very man. bad. Super That's bad. bad. That's just bad. Also, can, can, can I can I interject one thing in here? This is how a lot of these crimes get busted. It's, it's actually the mother notices like the daughter's got way too much money when she's like cleaning her room or something. I think like I heard a similar one like 15 years ago or so. It was like years you know, ago. Yeah, 15, 15 years ago, I read a similar like article. Basically, like a 15 year old or 16 year old or fucking whatever, however old she was, like had a bunch of money. Her mother asked her why. She's like, I was sleeping this guy. And he turned it, he, he turned out to be like an, an executive for like air, like airline company or some shit. But it's just this exact same fucking pattern. A lot of this is how a lot of these guys get busted because the mother finds a big wad of cash and her daughter's like sock drawer or some shit. All right. All right. So basically I'm going to put that out there. Faders. If you're a mother, you better check your daughter's purse. You better check your daughter's fucking sock and like underwear drawer. You better check everywhere. And if you see a big wad of cash, your kid's a whore. (laughs) (laughs) Should you you be more worried if you have a son? Tom, I don't know. You got a kid. What would happen? Tom, okay, let me ask you. All right, all right. This is 2021, Tom. What would you do if you came home and you're cleaning your kid's uh, bedroom and you found like fucking a stack of hundreds in your kid's underwear drawer? What would you say? What would you do? 
Well, first of all, I'd be very, I'd be both cons very concerned and very impressed because let's keep in mind my kid's fucking one right now. He's one year old. No, not now. <laughs> if you're finding his, if you're finding in his purse right now, I, I would be very. That, that's pretty suspicious to find in your baby's wallet, one years old baby's wallet, three hundred. Tom, you'd be really concerned. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd be really fucking concerned. I'd be like, damn, kid, how, how does he do it, man? Maybe, Prostitution. maybe he can his old man a thing or two about how, how to make some dough. Prostitution. Know, Tom, there you go. You got to suck some dick. I don't know. In, in the future, I don't know, dude. I'd have, I'd have to cross that bridge when I when I come to it. But yeah, as, as a parent, I would definitely be fucking concerned. I'd be like, you know, you dealing boy, you, you turning tricks. What are you doing here? No, nothing good, man. Nothing good comes out of that. All right. <laughs> All right. Speaking of nothing good, Tom, it's your time for a story. <laughs> All right. Um, I had a little bit of a conundrum about what which one to read because I've got maybe five or six lovely articles, but fuck it. Awesome. Uh, typically, yeah, typically, it's also tradition on the show. If we have guests, we let them go first, of course. But typically, if Tom goes, there's, there's another tradition. If Tom goes last, I, I try to leave you with a you know, uplifting, positive article. Uh, that's not going to fucking happen. <laughs> All right, here we go. This one, this is, the, this is, I'm going to read this one because I just think it's the fucking craziest. And there's, it's very light on details. So uh, I'd love to hear what I guess think about this or you can maybe fill in the blanks with like their own personal theories. So here we go. Man searching for missing girlfriend finds her corpse in trunk of car. Whoa. Whoa. Right? That's that's pretty hardcore already, man. So, but wait, wait, wait. Inside, it's, it sounds like you know, like the beginning of what, like I don't know, I don't know, a snuff film or something. But wait, 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 wait. It gets crazier. A woman in her thirties believed to have committed suicide by setting herself on fire in the trunk of a vehicle in Hachioji City. Police wow. have revealed. Reports Fuji News Network. At around midnight on Tuesday, the boyfriend of the woman noticed that the trunk of his vehicle was on fucking fire. And when he checked inside, he found her body in it. Full of barbecue. Yeah, barbecue. Oof. And the night before, the woman failed to arrive at their home. After he set out to find her in the vehicle, he noticed the fire. He found a container of uh, kerosene in the trunk, and it is believed that she used the liquid to set herself on fire, taking her own life. Jesus Christ. That's fucking nuts, dude. I know. It's, it's pretty metal, and I think it's appropriate because we've got a metal band in here, so I want to hear what they have to say about this. True. So, gentlemen, thoughts? What do you think? Idi and Tomar. I think I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, First of all, like, hey, she's a prankster, right? <laughs> oh, prank's gone wrong. <laughs> like, what's going on? I opened my trunk. And, but no, I think, think about how dark this is that she made sure she's not going to be able to regret because she's locking herself in such a tiny space. Oh, this guy's deep, Tom. That's, 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 this is pretty horrible when you think about that. I'm sorry, you know it's a it, it's it's a it's a funny it's a funny moment, right? Like the, the the news reading, but that's what I was thinking about. Like, man, she made sure 
she can't go back. It's not like she put herself on fire and then she was out and she could roll around or some put water on her. It was on herself. It was like, no, I'm going all the way. Vidi, man. And, you know and I'm ruining my boyfriend's day. And his car. Don't forget the car. The car, yeah. He's like, you know how much it costs to take the smell out? <laughs> <laughs> We've all seen Goodfellas. Oh, man. All right. Boy, no. boy you can get this fucking smell out of that one. How about uh, Tomer, man? What do you think? I, I really cannot top it. It's whatever it is. <laughs> it is a horrible, a horrible story and a horrible way to die. I can imagine how she's feeling the gasoline on herself and just... This is a horrible way to die. It is a horrible way to die. I mean, God, that's, that's, that's horrible. You know, but the thing is, you know, I like, I want to take a positive spin on this in such a negative way. There is no way you're going to put a positive spin on this, man. I can do it. You can do it. <laughs> Think about this. Imagine it's the boyfriend's birthday and she wants to surprise him and she wants to do it like in an old school way. Back in the old school movies, whenever it's somebody's birthday, they pull on a big, huge cake and then a girl right. jumped out of the cake and she's like, surprise. And she had like sparklers and stuff and she's smoking a cigarette or whatever. I think this girl tried to do the same thing. So basically she got into this guy's trunk and she was waiting for him to come home from work or something or come home from whatever. And so she's going to like and pop over the trunk with sparklers and like all sorts of lighter fluid and have like a big flame or whatever and be like, surprise, happy birthday. But the thing is, um, ignited too early, and um, she atom bombed that shit. Do you think after he found her, he ate a cake? Yeah. Well, it was his birthday. I don't know, man. Like, I would say, man, I would say he'd be kind of put off food for after that because, like, you know, think of, think of like uh, that. He probably uh, became a vegetarian. <laughs> yeah, pro probably, man. Because think about it, man. The fucking smell of burning human flesh inside your own fucking car. So yeah, I bet he was fucking surprised. I also think she really fucked up the pyrotechnics on this one. Yeah, you don't think he is for him to sell that car is gonna it's gonna be impossible in Tokyo. I mean, seriously, I mean if you get an apartment where something like that happens, it's really hard to sell that apartment. He can't he's gonna have to fucking scrap it because somebody died in that car, man. But even scrapping is gonna cost him like five thousand dollars. He might as well sell it. I don't know man. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm. I. I wouldn't do a seance while driving. <laughs> a seance while driving. <laughs> oh my god! You think it's like dashboard? He's got like a like a fucking like uh, what's it called? A uh, Ouija board or something? <laughs> Honey, should I turn left? Yes. Yeah. Instead of uh, instead of ways, instead of Google Maps, yeah. <laughs> I'm lost in Saitama. How do I get to Seven Eleven? Turn right and go straight for two blocks and turn left at the light. All right. <laughs> I don't know, dude. If you want to put it on that way, man, I wouldn't trust a fucking like haunted car with a GPS like that. You'd be like, oh, yeah, turn right here. Just keep driving straight. It's like, uh, honey, I think the bridge is out. And I think I may be going off a cliff. No, 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 no. You're just imagining things. So, Tom, haven't you seen the movie Christine? Yeah, yeah I have seen it. Uh, not yeah. in a while, but yes, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, there you go, man. This is the beginning of Christine. This is the origins of the movie Christine. Oh, and the book Christine. The book is so much the better book, than the, the book, way. 
So you're saying basically the car did it. Oh shit, that's a different mm. angle. That's a different angle. Oh, oh my God, yes. Uh, so, uh, I, I like this one better. I think this is the most yeah. popular explanation, man, because the car was haunted and it like fucked her up, man. She didn't just like yeah. really crawl into the fucking trunk of the car and like set herself on fire. The car was like, you know, fucking got a mind of its own. It was, what was that fucking other Stephen King movie? Uh, maximum Overdrive. Uh, maximum Overdrive. Thanks, man. Where I just like, you know, she's just like fucking maybe cleaning out the garage and all of a sudden the fucking trunk pops open and like a fucking. <laughs> and just fucking snapped her up and she's like this is fucked up let me out and then the car's like "Ooh, i got plans for you oh my god dude this is some fucking dark shit right here we got some witchcraft on the show tonight oh <laughs> man. stephen king in the motherfucking house <laughs> exactly. oh man all right well i think that's all the stories we have tom do you have one more you want me to do one more yeah, let's do one more. It's fucking midnight. I can do one more. It's midnight. Let's do one more. Why not? Uh, fuck it. Why not? Um, bu- 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 which which one of the stories? Which one of the stories that I read before did you want me to read? Vidi, what do you think? I don't remember. Oh, don't remember. <laughs> stories that stories that Tom read before. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, that was a while ago, huh? Tom, right, it was a while ago, a few, few drinks ago. A few drinks ago, several drinks ago, actually. By the way, Vidi, can I ask you a question? Sure. What are you drinking? That is some I'm, insane pirate fucking, I don't know, madness. This. What is that? This is called, this is called Becherovka. Becherovkan. Becherovka. Becherovkan. This is a herbal spirit from the Czech Republic, which get it. <laughs> I, in, in every store, man. I think in, like in Israel, it's in every store. Oh, no shit. I'm going to Israel as soon as the pandemic is over. I'm done. I'm going there. This is wonderful. This is wonderful. I use it usually when I'm sick. I just drink a little bit of that. It's really good for your throat when you're sick, guys. That's really good. And um, if you like sweet stuff, mm-hmm. little herbal, this is this is my thing. I'm not I'm not a fan of beer. When I drink, it will be either bechorovka or uh, something that's called arak, which oh. is like uzo, but it's from Lebanon, Syria, Israel area. Dude, I'm so fucking jealous, man. I want that shit right now, dude. Yeah, me and T- me and Tom are sucking on beers and stuff, but we keep on seeing you fucking pull off from this bottle. I'm like, what is that bottle? It's like this big green green bottle. I'm like, dude, that looks so mystical and it's incredible. Yeah, I want I want that. That's what I want. Check it out, Becherovka. All right, we have to bring us a bottle whenever you're in Japan next. When we're in Japan, when we meet, we'll take care of you, man. We'll take care of you. Oh, dude, like no, 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 we'll take care of you. We'll show you around. We'll show you all the good shit in Tokyo. 110%. Yeah, dude, 110%. Yeah, we'll fucking take you guys all over to all the places where everybody goes, and then we'll take you to all the places where nobody goes. That's what we want to see. That's what we want to see. We can, we can show you some weird underground stuff in the diamond, the rough, but uh, all right. Um, I think I got my article because hey, you know what I already talked about it before. So fuck it. Why not? Why not just read this article? Uh, but here we go. 
Man 46 attempted to kill teen girl after she, after she requested it via t- Twitter. So once again, consensual murder is now apparently a thing on Japanese Twitter. Twitter! It's like, what seriously, this, twice, man. This, this week and last week, we've already had fucking stories about it. Uh, Tokyo Metropolitan Police have arrested a 46-year-old man who is alleged to have attempted to kill a teenage girl after she requested that he do so online, reports the Mainichi Shinbu. On January 31st and the following day, Akio Suto of No Known Occupation, because of course they always are fucking unemployed, forced a girl, 19, well, this, is, this doesn't sound very consensual, forced the girl, 19, to consume a drink laced with a sleeping powder and he choked her around the neck at his residence in oh, no. Katsushika Ward. Yeah, this does not sound very consensual. No, not uh, at all. Yeah. Uh, at some point, the girl backed out of the plan, saying, quote, I want to go home, and I want to live, end quote. Sudo released her on the morning of February 2nd. So, he, dude, she was holed up there for like two whole days, man. Jesus Christ. So it's what was up. going what was going on there, man? Like nothing bad things. Don't get involved. Read the yeah, story. That's, that's what I'm saying. I'm gonna reiterate this just none of this sounds consensual at all. Yeah, the girl who was not hurt in the incident, well, physically anyway. I don't know. I wonder about emotionally. I think later really the Kobach police box in Samita Ward. According to police, Suto also lit ch- uh charcoal br- uh, briquettes inside his residence in an attempt to kill himself by inhaling carbon monoxide fumes. So this is, this happens once in a while in, in Japan, but it, it's essentially the same concept as like basically leaving your car running in the garage. But he survived, right? Well, I'm getting that. I'll just read the rest of it. Uh, upon his arrest on suspicion of attempting to carry out a, a, a contract murder on Saturday, Suda admitted to the allegation saying, quote, I was going to commit suicide because I didn't want to cause uh, trouble for my family after killing the girl. Fucking, we, we, we got a real criminal mastermind here, folks. Sudo met the girl via Twitter earlier in January saying, quote, I want to die, she wrote. And she also wrote, uh, how about taking sleeping powder and letting me, uh, let, le- letting me strangle you? The suspect wrote back. The suspect met the girl in Adachi Ward on January 31st. They then traveled inside his car to his residence. The arrest is the second in the case for Sudo. On February 13th, police accused him of abducting a girl for, um, for the purpose of assault. So this guy's just a play fucking sicko. Uh, dude, this guy is a fucking homicidal maniac with a fucking twisted mind to match, dude. Fuck this guy. Yeah, it's fucking horrible, but basically, yeah, long story short, like, the last guest we had on, we read a similar story about, like, the, the, the this other girl, like, wanted wanted to be stabbed, and she said she, or she, she wanted to be murdered, and same same thing, which sounds like I'm repeating myself, but, like, yeah, it was, like, via Twitter, and some sicko mailed her and said, you know what, I'll fucking kill you, honey, so, like, he met her, he picked her up in his car, and they went, actually went to the store and went knife shopping together. Say, they went knife shopping. Store. They spent yeah. two hours in the store looking at knives for a girl to be like, that's the one I want to be killed with. And then the guy bought the knife and shit. That's how fucking twisted this shit is. <laughs> very romantic. Very romantic. But these are big yeah, stories in Japan right now. Yeah, amazingly similar into this story. Like, you know, there's once they were in a park and the guy stabbed her a couple of times, she's like, oh, God, stop. I don't want to die. This sucks. 
we we have a very extensive YouTube channel which is under our name Subterranean Masquerade. You can see live shows, daily vlogs from our recent tours, video clips, live clips, and very very soon our documentary and other uh, new video clips from the album. Once you listen to this, you can go ahead and visit our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash submask. There you can go to our Facebook page and follow us and get all the direct news straight into your daily feeds. You can visit our Instagram page, which is Instagram slash subterranean masquerade. You can go to our website, www.submask.net and get our latest news and support us by buying a CD or a vinyl or merchandise. And you can go ahead and check our two dates and hopefully soon enough, the world gonna spin like before and we can go and visit everywhere and tour again, play live in Europe in America and Japan, but not in Russia. <laughs> so, <laughs> too much, it's a too fucked up country. I never go back there. <laughs> And you can All listen right, to music on Spotify and Apple Music and Deezer, Subterranean Masquerade. You can Google us and look for a whole bunch of stuff. We've been around for 25 years. We got the new album coming out in May, a new single coming out in Friday, two weeks from now. We call Mangata. Um, it's a beautiful folk progressive rock song. And uh, we are looking forward to play everywhere. And thank you very much for this amazing, uh, very entertaining interview. It's been, it's been great. I can't wait to meet you guys in Japan and go for dark places, drink booze, and play music. Dude, that's fantastic, man. Thank you so much for saying all that stuff. Oh, my God. It really means a lot. And faders, you definitely know what to do. Check these guys out. Go to their website. Check out their music. These guys, they're the real deal. They are definitely the real deal. Man, fuck it. Tom, is there anything you want to add to this? Uh, yeah, of course. Once again, everything you just said, we're going to find links in the show notes down below. Of course, of course, to make it easier for you. And because we know by this point, all you, all you motherfuckers listen to this is drunk. So that's cool. We get it. That's, that's kind of how we roll. And from our side, a shameless prom promotion for our stuff, man. Uh, faders, please check out our Facebook and Instagram pages. Not our Twitter, because we're not on fucking Twitter. Not on Twitter. Not on Twitter. <laughs> just, just throwing that out there just for legal purposes. That's what our lawyers have to tell us we have to say. Tom's on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, but basically, yeah, if, if you want extra content and extra stuff, man, like, you know, we've got like, you know, Facebook page where we're literally posting daily, you know, sometimes two, three times a day usually, but minimum daily. We post like weird fucked up janglish and whatnot and fucked up funny posts about Japan and our musing. And of course, you know, if you're really into us, of course, please visit our Patreon page. We always love, you know, donations and money. Money is good. It helps us to, you know, do stuff, buy new equipment and interview bands, blah, blah, blah. You get it. So if you don't mind, if you don't mind, if you like what you hear, please put it, you know, so a bit of cash in our tip jar if you have some to spare. And if not, at, at the very least, you know, please just, you know, go to iTunes or whatever and just give us a five-star review or a comment or a link or a mail us or whatever, man. Because we, we like that stuff, man. Oh, that's about it for my side. 
God damn, Tom, dude, you did such an amazing job. Uh, Faders, I got nothing else to say. Um, VD Tomer, thank you so much for being on the show. We're definitely going to have you back on the show. Oh, dude, what's up? Oh, you guys are fucking too awesome. You do. Your band is so fucking incredible. We are so, I mean, me and Tom, I mean, especially me, I kind of pre-gamed a little bit and stuff because I was just like, oh my God, these guys are going to be on the show. Dude, we are so stoked to have you on the show. All this right, is Faders. incredible. We're having a good time. Thank you so much, Faders. You know what to do. Check him out and peace. Bye-bye.
brother a goddamn shit soaking vampire. Well, you wait till mom finds out, buddy. I've got a government job to abuse and a lonely wife to fuck. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. God, the pressure! I can't take it! I can't take it! I can't stand to it! You sure I should do this, man? We're going freaky! We came, we saw, we kicked his ass! Your move, creep. Oh, man. I will never forgive your ass for this shit. This is some fucked up repugnant shit. Ah, fuck it, dude. Let's go bold.